In today's show, we're looking at the 2020-2021 season for the Washington Wizards. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Let's talk about the Washington Wizards now and their 2021 season. Um, Yeah. It was an interesting year, for sure. Lots of uh, ups and downs, some big downs to begin the year, some big ups to end the year. They finished 34-38, and 38, eighth in the Eastern Conference. Um, a couple of games ahead of their expected win-loss. 17th on offense, 19th on defense, and not particularly good, really, on either side of the ball. They did lead the league in pace, 104 possessions per game. Um, but yeah, look, that, that record, they're obviously horrible, and they fought back really, really strongly, and played some pretty good basketball down the stretch of the season. The big question is going to be is, does Scott Brooks come back for this team? Because he is out of contract. Will they decide to re-sign him? Will they look at what happened over the back half of the season and say, yes, Scott, you're the man for us? Or will they look at everything else that he's done, including those wins, and say, no, you're not the man to take us into any sort of uh, positive championship-type territory? I don't know what direction Tommy Shepard and uh, Ted Leonsis are going to go. They only have pick 15 coming up in this draft, so no lottery pick, no second round selection as well. And in terms of free agency, there's a lot of guys that um, unfortunately Scott Brooks relied upon quite a lot. Ish Smith and Hal Neto, Robin Lopez and Alex Len are all unrestricted free agents. Now, ideally, you don't want to be um, relying upon those guys at all, Smith, Neto, Lopez or Len, but Brooks did in roles that were significantly larger than they should have been undertaking. So is that on Brooks? Is that on Shepard? Is it on a mix of both of them? It probably is a mix of, of both of them. I could see you know, Neto and Lopez definitely being back. I'm not sure that Len and Smith will be, but they could easily be back. Isaac Bonga, a guy that started almost every game last year, uh, he's a restricted free agent and he fell way out of... Um, well, Scott Brooks fell way out of love with him this year as he put Denny Avdia into that position. And we're going to talk about all my criticisms of Brooks all season because there are plenty. And I think he's a pretty poor coach and should not be back for this team. Just give somebody else a go because of his unrelenting nonsense in terms of lineups and rotations. And I think this is a team that, that realistically, they did play well down the stretch, but they probably should have been better than 34 and 38. Yes, they did have injuries, but they should have been better than that overall record. Let's talk about their best player, and that is Bradley Beal. He played 60 games this year. He had this hip injury, which they made sound like was really serious. Oh, it's not a muscle injury. It's a real nerve problem, and it's going to have real everlasting impacts. Oh, cool. It didn't. He was able to come back. He played an astonishing 36 minutes a night, as he always seems to do. Average 31 points, hit two threes, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, 1.2 steals, 49 and 89. Some pretty decent numbers. He shot 39, or sorry, 35% from three, and his three-point shooting hasn't been great. In fact, it's been 35% for each of the last three years. So he's one of those guys that's seen of as this elite shooter, but he isn't really. He's a solid shooter. His true shooting was 60 because of his ability at the free throw line as well. He finishes at the rim. His mid-range shooting is good. He's a great scorer. 
but he's not this elite three-point bomber by any means. We did see a big, big downturn in his assist rate this season. That went from 29% down to 20%, and that's what happens when you play alongside Russell Westbrook. His rebound numbers actually didn't change too much because they were never that high to begin with, and his usage didn't really fall off either, either from 34 down to uh, 33%. His overall numbers, he actually scored more points this season, um, and did that by his efficiency jumping up. Like his two-point percentage went from 51 to 53. So there's a little bit of a red flag there, and he did fall off. Now, we talk about him being the 12th-ranked player for the season. Over the second half of the year, he was the 37th-ranked player. And when Westbrook joined this team, I was looking at Beal as... And people were looking at him as a you know, top-end-of-the-first-round type of guy, or back end of the first round. His ADP was 16, so in that... You know, 12, 11 to 16 range he was getting drafted. And I didn't want him there. I wanted him in the 19 to 22 range. And in the end, you look at that ranking and that decision for me was wrong. But again, when Westbrook actually started playing like Westbrook does, Bill was way outside that range. 37th ranked player over the second half of the year. His scoring went down a little bit. His assists and rebounds dropped just that little bit. His steal rate fell off. Um, his free throw attempt rate fell off. Everything just sort of fell off enough to take him from being that second round player into being a third or fourth round type of guy. If we do think that Beal and Westbrook are back on this team next year, which I can't see why they wouldn't be, I would not be investing in a early second round pick with Beal. I think that, again, the, the numbers that I thought that he would be doing with Westbrook were what happened over the last 40 games of the year. And that beginning of the year when Westbrook was way off, let Beal put up like top eight or top seven numbers. And then it did really start to fall off after that. So I think that's something to really pay uh, some level of attention to. His EPM was really high this year. Plus 2.9 is obviously a really, really strong number. His uh, offensive wrap, though, massive, 5.2. Now, defensively, he struggles. Um, real big negative there. But overall, his metrics were pretty good. And his LeBron was a pretty big number as well. So overall, a pretty successful season, I would say, for, uh, for Brad Beal. This show, episode today, episode, that's what it is, is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app's free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league, and you'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL. Go download that free Locker Room app now. Currently available on iOS and Android devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite team, league, and sport. And I can't wait to see you in there. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all of that action at Bet Online. Place your bets to see who you think is going to be the NBA champion, the NHL Stanley Cup champion. Whatever it is, BetOnline has it covered for you. So before the next tip, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as your team preps for the run to the finals. Head to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today by using the promo code LOCKEDON and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Let's talk about Russ Westbrook. 65 games for Russ, 36 and a half minutes per game. He was really, really bad to begin the year. There's no denying that. Like, actually terrible. And then he comes out claiming that he was playing on a torn quad. And I have a number, a number of questions about that. Why? You got a torn quad? Sit it out, my guy. Um, 
Oh, he's got he's a dog. All right, that's cool. He's also was dog shit on the court when he was injured. Might have just been better for him not to play during that time. But regardless, he played through it. And then when he came back at the end of the year, he started putting up ludicrous line after ludicrous line. But yeah, I, I criticize him at the beginning of the year a lot. You know, I didn't know he had a torn quad, but it wasn't just that he couldn't get to the rim and and his athleticism was gone, which is true. And that's why he couldn't get to the rim because his quad was torn. And I understand that. But just because you can't get to the rim doesn't mean you need to settle for the most horrific shots in basketball. Pull up threes when you can't hit them. Contested mid-range twos when you can't hit them. If you can't do the thing you're good at, let someone else do the thing they're good at. Not, well, I can't do the thing that I, that I usually can do. Therefore, let me do the worst thing possible that actually actively hurts my team consistently. That was my issue with Westbrook mainly. Like, if you can't do these things, then don't do something that you're absolutely shit out at. And that was my, my criticism was his decision-making, which was horrendous during that time. But again, he was awesome after that. Now, he was the second-ranked player in points leagues, 54 per game, and to me, that's an indication that maybe standard points league scoring isn't the greatest measure or isn't the greatest format to be playing if he's the second best player. Because let's be honest, he still has some absolute clunking games where he puts up big stats, but you don't know what it actually does in terms of being like, how excellent is it? And a lot of the time, the answer is not very. Westbrook averaged 22, 11 and 11 and a half with 1.3 steals and 1.3 triples. There's some excellent numbers. Rebounds, assists, unbelievable. Field goals, 43%. That's shit house. Free throws, inexplicably bad, 67.4. Now, over the last couple of months, he did get that up to 75, so it did improve quite a bit. And if we look at those last three months of the season where he was the 12th ranked player, he averaged 38 minutes, which is insanity, 23, 12 and a half, and 13 on 43 and 72%. So the real big change there is his assists went up a little bit. They went up one per game. His scoring went up one point per game, but his free throws went from 67 to 72. So is that the difference? It probably is really the major difference there. True shooting, absolutely disgusting, 51%. He finishes the rim okay, 61%, but that's not elite. Three-point shooting, 32% is not good. Free throw is terrible, but elite rebounding, elite assist numbers. Um, Yes, he turns the ball over an absolute ton. His steal rate actually dropped from... His steal rate had been really high, and it dropped way off this year. But his impact metrics were still pretty good. 1.4 EPM is not a bad number. Now, his Raptor was very much down because of how badly they rated him defensively. He was uh, 10th on this team in Raptor. Like, that is a terrible number. And the only bloke ahead of him there who played minimal minutes was Tom Bryant, who was a big part of their rotation anyway before he got hurt. And then this is where the disconnect happens. Like In LeBron, he was the team's best player. On Raptor, he was way down. And on EPM, he was in a pretty solid spot. So it is hard to fully grasp... I guess the impact Westbrook had, if we're looking at metrics, we know that when he started playing better, the team started playing better. And that obviously is a, a huge, huge positive. But at the age that Westbrook is, where he is now going to be 33 in a couple of months' time, in about four or five months' time, he's going to be 33. He is prone to getting some injuries at this point. The percentages are a worry. I don't know what we do with him next season. At some point, he is going to drop off. It is a guarantee. And I don't know if that's next year or the, or the year after. Now, in a category league, I know he was 12th, second half of the year. There's no way I take him in the first round. Um, just I do worry that there is going to be some level of drop-off and that maybe that free throw increase isn't real. But And I'd still want to be punting free throws if I had him. But second round, no problem. First round for points leagues, yes. Would I take him second? Almost definitely not. I just think there were so many weird factors that went into how his numbers did come to be in the second half of this season that I don't really trust it moving forward. But 
a very hard guy to get it to get a handle on. Again, at 33, with the way that he plays, with the injury risk, with the percentage risk, with the new coach risk, uh, I have some concerns about where that leaves him as we uh, move forward. But hey, Westbrook and Beal, they could be taking this team into the playoffs. And right across the Locked On Podcast Network, across our NBA uh, shows, we're doing the road to the finals, which is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Now, I don't know if this guy is going to actually come back and help this team get to the playoffs. And that's Tom Bryant, the tank. Haven't played this one for a while. Only played the 10 games, 27 minutes a night. And in his previous season, I criticized Scott Brooks a lot for not playing him very much. He did start to play him more this year. And the 112th ranked player is not particularly good. He averaged 14 and 6 with a 3.8 blocks on 65 and 67%. Um, and But one, one thing I have always said with Bryant, who is about to turn 24, is that he is in a player that if he comes out, and he gets these minutes, he'll put up good numbers, but I would not want to trust him long-term because I do not think that he is a viable starting long-term NBA center because of his defensive issues. But while he's in this role, you're going to get some good numbers, but I don't really see it lasting. And I think my concern has come home to roost with that already. I do not think that he is a a 30-minute-a-night player next year, like not close. Daniel Gafford, Thomas Bryant, I think think, Bryant might start, but I, there is no way to me that Bryant plays over 25 minutes a night. There's just no way. He can be a really good finisher at the rim. He can be a good three-point shooter, for sure. He shot like 43% from three this year in those you know, limited minutes, 270 minutes. And the free throws should be better there at 74 or more each of the last two years. But the defensive stuff is just horrendous from Bryant. And yeah, Gafford's a good defender. And I'm, I'm just not sure that Tom Bryant is the guy. I think that his chance this year to establish was this year to establish himself. Unfortunately, he got hurt. And I am he is not the guy where I, if I was the Wizards or other teams, would be looking, well, he is my starting future center. He is a solid enough guy who had that opportunity last year. Unfortunately, it was taken away from him, and I'm not sure it comes back. He was 112th in both category leagues and points leagues, averaging 26 fantasy points per game. Uh, and the field goal is really useful, but I, I just have my concerns that maybe he transitions into an Ennis Cantor bench-type center a lot sooner than we may have anticipated. I don't know that, but that's sort of my uh, guess with him. Let's talk about Rui Hachimura, one of the most overrated players in the NBA, especially in the fantasy community. Rui played 57 games in his second season. Um, I think he's a good bloke. Like He seems like a real good bloke. Uh, nothing bad to say about this guy at all, except that he's overrated. 57 games. He is already 23 in his second season. Like that is, he's not particularly young. He played 32 minutes, so it's not an opportunity issue. He averaged 14 and five with 0.8 threes, 0.8 steals, one and a half assists, 0.1 blocks on 48 and 77%. He shot 33% from three on low volume. His true shooting was 55%. His EPM was a negative 1.6, which is bad, but it was much better than where it was last year. He can't pass. He can't defend very well. He can't um, shoot very well. He's below average in efficiency. He just is not good. But Josh, he just started playing the game. I know that. I'm not good, and I haven't been playing the game. Does that mean I should get a pass? No. He's just not good. Now, what he does need to provide any sort of fantasy value is a situation where he just gets all of the usage, and they just pump usage and minutes into him. And the last you know, 
in in the playoffs, he played what you know thirty four a night and averaged sixteen and eight on sixty two percent shooting. And like, that's great. Like there's some really good volume there, but no steals, no assists, no blocks. The free throws were bad in the playoffs too for some reason. He just isn't very good. Um, and he's a guy that when he came in, his fantasy profile coming out of college made you think that he would be a terrible fantasy player. His first two years reiterate that fact that he is a terrible fantasy player. And again, if your if your value is, well, he just needs a lot more shots. He just needs a ton of usage to become good, but he's not good enough to get that usage, then he's got no chance because he doesn't do anything else. I know he's only 23. I know he's only been playing basketball for a small amount of time. I know Beal and Westbrook, they hog all the shots. That doesn't matter. If you want your team to be good, you do not want Rui Hachimura having the ball for light giant usage. Now, it's his third year. I am not writing him off. It would take a lot for him to change and to become better. And over the last three months of the year, he started shooting much better. 41% from three, 54% from two, 58 true shooting. Like They are really, really strong numbers. The problem still is, is he can't hit threes, get rebounds, assist, steals, or blocks. He doesn't. Well, the threes he hit better, but he doesn't take any of them. So there's no volume there. And even in that time, while his percentages jumped up, he averaged under 15 points. Like he didn't do anything particularly good. There are plenty of people who still really believe. I, I don't know what it is. Oh man, next Kawhi guys, get your hand off your dick. Like there's no way. Oh, just wait, just wait. He can defend threes and fours. He can't actually really defend anybody. That's not true. He's not a bad defender. He improved a lot this year. But the lack of feel for the game, the lack of passing ability, the lack of defensive turnover and playmaking, the lack of three-point volume, I just don't know where the hell he fits in the NBA. Like, they are really forcing it with Hachimura. I, I, don't, I don't see it. So if anybody wanted to give me value, of um, yeah, for in, in a dynasty trade, I, I would take it. I, I really don't. I, I really don't get it for him. Um, I, I just, I just, I never saw it. I haven't seen it the first two years. Am I biased in that view? I don't know why I would be. It's just that this is what I saw beforehand. This is what I've seen so far. They marry up. You might see something completely different, and I am happy for people to disagree with me. But to me. The, the proof is in the pudding. This dude has not yet had a top 150 fantasy ranked season. He's been gifted 30 minutes a night. Um, and yeah, this this is where he is. He just isn't a good fantasy player. He's a better points league player. No doubt about that. Maybe he can have a top 100 points league season. But Jesus, I think he's so far off in category leagues that it's not funny. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Do you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? You will, if you've tried Built Bar, you know what your favorite flavor is. But if you don't know, and if you haven't tried it, you've got to get a box and get yourself the mixed box. So that's got 18 bars, all nine flavors with two of each flavor. So you can try and figure out what your favorite is. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein with just 130 calories and only four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so on to the next player, Hal Neto. Played way too many minutes this season. He's 29. I think he's a solid enough player, but 22 minutes a night for Neto. He um, averaged 8.7 points with 2.3 assists and 1.1 steals, 47 and 88. So his fantasy value came from getting some steals and hitting some free throws. They played just too many of those non-shooting trios like Bill, uh, like Westbrook, uh, Neto, and Smith all together in lineups. And again, you don't have that many other options 
but it's also some pretty bad uh, rotation management from Scott Brooks to have Hal Neto playing as much as he did. I'm not saying that he's a bad player. He's not He's not a bad player. He's not a particularly good player, but he has hit 39% of his threes the last two years. He's a good uh, free throw shooter. His passing numbers did decrease, but of course, that's what happens when you're next to Westbrook. But defensively, he did better than he had in the past. He's yeah, it, Actually, his defensive metrics are really, really strong across most, uh, most metrics. But yeah, from a fantasy perspective, he was just a guy where when those minutes had to bump up, you'd get some steals out of him, you'd get some assists out of him, and that's really about it. But he is 29 years of age, unrestricted, as I said. Absolutely fine to be a third guard on a team. Yeah, that role that Garrett Temple played too much of for Chicago this year, or the role that Neto really should have played for most of this year in Washington. Yeah, but you got to watch who you're pairing with. Though, despite being a, uh, a good three-point shooter in terms of percentage, he doesn't take enough of them. There's just too many of these guys on this team who don't take enough threes, to be honest. And uh, I don't really... Neto is not... You know, that needle-moving sort of player yeah, from a fantasy perspective. He's probably never going to be better than what he was in this uh, in this past season. Points League's worse than in categories as well because his value really was driven by the fact that he averaged over one steal per game. Let's talk about one of the biggest disappointments, Davis Bertans, who I didn't like that contract, five years, $80 million. But and on the back of last year, it seemed crazy to not completely love that. But this that contract looks disgusting now. His knee is a real problem. He is, what, turning 29 coming up soon in a couple of months. He played 26 minutes a night. Um, now, I still think that he's a better player than Rui Hachimura and that the role they put him in is just absolutely suboptimal. 11.5 points, three threes, but... Like Rui, no steals, no blocks, no assists, poor rebounder, and he shot horribly. He shot 40% from three, but couldn't finish any twos, 48% from two, 87 from the line. It was a huge drop-off from where he was last year, even though, in saying that, his true shooting still remained at 64, which is elite, but his overall impact uh, did drop a lot. His um, his Raptor was actually not bad, plus 0.1. Um, and his uh, LeBron was actually a solid number as well. So the, the impact metrics liked him. The true shooting liked him. He just saw usage fall off, which again, for a guy that is still shooting at a high rate. Now, one of those examples, again, he shot 42% from three last year. And while he went to 39, that's still a disappointment. But his overall efficiency is still pretty good. Impact did drop, but you know, seeing a guy that was playing 29 minutes a night, having 18% usage and then seeing the usage drop so that uh, Westbrook can get more of it and be more inefficient, seeing the minutes drop so that Rui Hachimura can play more and the knee injury. Uh, there, uh, there are real concerns with how he was managed. I, I don't really get you know, what what's he's going to do. Look, it, to, it, he's not going to be a must-draft player to me. I think we'll we'll phrase it that way next year. As a th- streamer, 3.33s a game is excellent. If he gets back to 29 a night, he does become a 12-team guy. But in the realms of like a Boyan Bogdanovich, who was terrible for most of this season, if something happens and that shot is off and they offer nothing else, which is where Bertan sits, then what what the hell do you do with it? Um, I wouldn't give up hope that he can have another top 100 season, but I would imagine that he only has one more of those, maybe two, if if everything goes to plan. But the way that they are gifting those minutes to Hachimura over Bertans, when they're a team that claims they want to be moving towards success, um, you know, getting you know, developing Hachimura over Bertans is obviously the right move. But you paid 80 million dollars for this bloke, so to play him fewer minutes than you did the year before. Um, is a real real issue to me. And that's another one of those concerns I have with Brooks and, and the way that he managed that rotation and how he was able to factor guys in at the wrong spots at the wrong times. Um, yeah, well, he won't be going at 94 ADP next year, Bertans. Let's talk about another one of Brooks's great moves, Dan Gafford. Now, let's be fair with Gafford. He was he did not play well 
in Chicago, I didn't think he played well at all, right? He was significantly worse in his time in Chicago than what Wendell Carter was. He has some real issues. But in Washington, he was fantastic. And I did not look at him and say, Brooks, you need to start this guy straight away because that's just not the case. But after about... When your centers are Alex Lennon and Robin Lopez... Um, who are you know thirty three years of age again and again that just if you're going to gift minutes to players, yeah, and and that means Hachimura over Bertans, then it should surely means Gafford over Smith uh, over Lopez and Len, but apparently it doesn't. Again, inconsistencies are bullshit from Brooks. Gafford's EPM was a one point five, really good, true shooting seventy, of course, because just everything he does is at the rim. Rebounding, offensive rebounding, stupidly high numbers, great block rate. Um, yeah, Dan Gafford led this team in Raptor. Offensively, big numbers. Defensively, big numbers. Ahead of Beal and ahead of Westbrook, who, of course, was way down in that metric. He was third behind Beal and Westbrook in terms of LeBron. Like, he was really good, but played 15 minutes a night. Seven and four with 1.4 blocks on 69% shooting with 67 from the line. The, the issue here is Bryant. Now, Lennon Lopez could both go. I think Lopez might come back, but... We don't trust Scott Brooks a single second to play Gafford big minutes. Gafford should play 28 minutes every night, and he would be a guaranteed top 70 fantasy player, probably higher. And I think it will come. I think it will happen. It may not happen next year. The dude is 22, right? So there is significant room for him to continue to grow. I, you know, much like Bryant, he is not a franchise foundation centerpiece type center where you go, well, we're locked down at that position now. I think he's got more staying power than Tom Bryant because he can be a really good defender and has got that real pop offensively. To me, he's not as good as a Nick Claxton, even though his situation is better than Claxton's. So if you want to weigh that for fantasy value, normally in Dynasty, you're looking at who's the better player because eventually that will win out. If you're looking short-term, you're looking at situation more than anything. So I think yeah, Gafford's situation is better than Claxton's, but Claxton is the better player. But Gafford is going to be a guy that should be drafted in the top 100 next year, and I will be really interested to see where his initial rankings come out. ESPN will probably have him at 600. I think Yahoo will have him about 250, and then his ADP will start with no ADP, and it will eventually come in, and it will come in too high by the end of things. And by the time we're drafting, it'll come into like 70, and then it'll be like, I don't think I want to draft him there. So early drafts, I reckon he'll be a steal. And then as we move forward and everyone starts to think, okay, let's get more Gafford involved, that'll come in way, way, way too much. And then he'll be a guy to avoid. But impressed. He finally got a start in what the last game of the playoffs before they were eliminated. He does, he's not perfect. He's got lots of issues, but way fewer issues than what Len and Lopez does. And the way that Brooks handled this and the way that Brooks mishandled the press conferences, yeah, Gafford goes out, dominates. Hey, you think Gafford should get more minutes? Yeah, 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 I do. And then he plays fewer minutes. Like the absolute foolishness to, and, and then to Scott, and I'm going to go on about this because yeah, Scott Brooks, hey, Scott, why are you playing three centers? And Scott's got, oh, I actually hate doing it. I really hate playing three centers. Proceeds to play three centers for the next three months. Like Scott, the guy who can control that is the dickhead who's talking. Like, you are the guy that can control that. Not me, not Tom Shepard, not anyone else. The one who controls you playing three centers is the bloke who says, Robin, get out there. Alex, you can start. That is the guy that controls us. So don't hit me with this. Yeah, he's going to play more minutes. Yeah, I really don't want to play three centers. Then don't do it. It is the simplest thing I've ever heard in the world. And we are not talking about these other centers being franchise centerpieces that we need to develop or you know, all-stars with a level of cachet. They are Alex Len and Robin Lopez. Like Alex Len and Robin Lopez, you can move on from them. And hopefully, 
Tommy Shepard says and takes it out of his hands, much like um, the Denver front office did with Michael Malone years ago when they he wouldn't play Jamal Murray because he had Jameer Nelson. They said, sorry, Jameer, this coach is being a dickhead. Uh, Jameer, you got to go. And then he was forced to play Jamal Murray. And I reckon that's might happen. It could turn into a four-center melange with Bryant, Gafford, Lennon, Lopez. That's almost not going to happen. But holy shit, imagine the fun that Brooks could have while also hating himself in the process. All this is saying, I think Gafford's got some pretty high potential. I think it's higher than Thomas Bryant's, but I do not view him as that long, long-term, absolute stud-type Rudy Gobert defensive center fantasy archetype. I don't see that, but I reckon he's going to have four or five top 100 years, probably sneak a top 50 in there at some point as well. Pretty high on what he can bring, and he did improve significantly during his time in Washington. Ish Smith. 33 years of age, 21 minutes. He averaged four assists. That's pretty nice, but yeah, horrible shooting. 47% true shooting and was paired with another horrible shooter, Russell Westbrook, and another poor shooter in um, Hal Neto, just putting him in the most horrendous positions to succeed. His EPM was disgusting. It was a negative two. His LeBron was not great. His Raptor was actually not bad. Scott Brooks just focused so much on the defense that these guys could bring. And the team's defense didn't actually end up being good while not looking at how spacing works on an NBA team. And uh, I, I really don't think there is any need for Smith to be back. Westbrook, Beal, Neto, they're your three your main guards. They're ball handlers. Sign another backup point guard. There's going to be plenty available who are going to be better than what Smith is able to produce. Now, he's super fun. He's super fast. He looks active out there, but yeah, he's not a, a winning NBA player, I don't think. Robin Lopez. Unbelievable efficiency, 63% from the field. His hook, hook shot was unstoppable, like literally unstoppable. And he was much better than Alex Len this season. There, there's no denying that, but he can't be a big minute guy. And he also can't be a player that has any sort of value in fantasy. Unbelievable, 56% from mid-range. There is hook shots. He just literally couldn't be stopped there. Good offensive rebounder, but you know, probably a subpar uh, rim protector. 0.6 blocks in 19 minutes isn't particularly great. And he's just not going to be able to handle the big minutes as we move forward. But I thought he did pretty well most of the year as a solid backup center. The problem is where his role is with Gafford and Bryant both back next season. I'm not sure. Again, he'll probably be the third center that just screws with everybody. But likely, well, yeah, I think he'd be better off on another team as a backup big man to provide some you know, at least stout post-defense and uh, an ability to do some sort of post-work, again, with that unstoppable post-shot. His true shooting went from 55 to 66 this season, which is a, a phenomenal jump up, but he has no fantasy appeal. Alex Len. I've been a Len apologist for a, a while. Like he played in Toronto. Um, he played in Atlanta last year. He's obviously had his time in Phoenix. He went to Washington. And yeah, sometimes if he gets the minutes, he can put up numbers, but he's wildly inconsistent. He averaged seven and four with a block on 62% this year. And there is just no reason uh, at Alex Len, age 28, that he needed to be getting the, the minutes that he was. His advanced stuff was okay. It wasn't disgustingly bad, but it was significantly worse than Daniel Gafford. Not a surprise there. I think Len gets shit on, and I shit on him a bit. I think he gets shit on a little bit too much for the player he is. I think he's not a bad player. He's a solid defender. He can have occasional good offensive moments. He was efficient this year at 64%, but he's not the guy that you want to be trusting to be out there as a backup or as a starting center, even though his minutes were all over the shop. He's that guy that you throw in, in that role that Derek Favors plays in Utah. He's not as good as Favors, but that's the sort of role that Alex Len needs to needs to have. I still think he can be a serviceable NBA player for a couple of years, but the role that he was in in Washington made absolutely no sense at all. Let's talk about Denny Avdia. Um, you know, pushed into the starting lineup opening night, 
and was worthy of a flyer pick at the last spot in the draft. Just because he was starting, we didn't know what we were going to get. Now, like, like Hachimura, another guy whose fantasy numbers translated horribly coming into the draft. He only played 23 minutes, which was, again, a Scott Brooks foolishness to play Smith and Neto in that over Avdia, which I thought Avdia did okay when he was out there. But he just is not a stat accumulator. Six and five with one three, one assist, 0.6 deals, 0.3 blocks on a true shooting of 52%. It's just not going to cut it. Defensively, I thought he held his own. Offensively, he was lost. And I do not blame that on him. Because he was put in a role, hey, Denny, your worst thing is your three-point shooting. Can you please, in our offense, play the role of a spot-up three-point shooter? And he's, he's not good at it. He can't do it. And that, again, is a Scott Brooks thing. He is a six-seven, six-nine forward, whatever he is, who can work as a secondary ball handler, who can run a second unit, who can be a beast in transition at finding blokes, who can hit some threes but not to be a guy without the ball in his hands, and you relegate him to a bloke that stands in the corner or just stands and doesn't touch the ball, usage of 12%, assist rate of, what, 6%, horrendously low number. Not all his decisions were great over this season, but he was really dicked by the coaching staff and the scheme. I think that he's got a real big chance to take big steps forward. Fractured his ankle at the end of the season last year, for sure. I do not think that he has... in the. Remember, remember... Next, Luka Doncic. Guys, if you thought that, please reevaluate everything. And I said that before the draft. He's not even close. But, you know, fingers crossed, the new coach is in. He should come in. He should play 30 minutes a night. He should get the ball in his hands. And it's going to be really hard with Westbrook and Beal taking every single shot in the world. It's it's very, very hard. But he needs more minutes. And he needs more to be able to do more. I think it's probably two to three years away. I'd say year four is the target we have for Avdia. And in that year, I think you have 15 points, seven rebounds, um, four assists, one steal, probably still subpar shooting from the line and from the field, um, is is a realistic expectation for him. I thought, again, he held up defensively and offensively, he just wasn't being asked to do what he can be good at. So while he, I say he lived down to my expectations as a rookie, I think that so much of that was scheme. The things that he did well, which was rebounding, was something that he had that skill to do coming out of Israel. Um, And I think we'll see a big step forward if there's a different coach and then a further step forward when Beal or Westbrook are either gone or the roles have changed there. So don't completely write him off, but also do not view him. Do not view him as a top 50, top 40 fantasy prospect. He's not that high. Let's talk about Garrison Matthews, who I think they should have used a little bit more. Pretty solid three-point shooter, 38% three-point shooter. He can't do a huge amount else, but when you're running out Smith and Neto and Westbrook lineups, like having Matthews out there as a credible threat to hit threes, 65 true shooting, 38 from three, good free throw guy. Yeah, obviously never gets the ball, but just having a guy that can... If if you're going to have someone out there who never gets the ball, like Avdia, at least make it someone who can hit the three, like Matthews. Again, a real failure, I think, in Scott Brooks in terms of making uh, lineups that made sense. But Matthews was fifth on this team in, uh, in Raptor, amazingly. Now, his LeBron was way, way down. Uh, his EPM was a negative 1.8. But I, I tend to agree with Raptor here that I think he can be really valuable just in his ability to space because they have so few shooters out there that there's someone that can get out there and uh, and do something. Now, I don't think he's got much fantasy upside. He's, he's only 24, 25 in about four or five months. He averaged five points with one three. Um, but realistically, best case is probably Wayne Ellington for him. 
Chandler Hutchison only played 25 games. He was out for personal reasons in Chicago. And you have to think, given some of the social media shots he's been taking at the Bulls, that it was just like, I hate this organization and what they're doing. Um, and I, I don't want to be here. And then he was traded to Washington. He had a couple of moments. But again, I, I'm not really sure that he is an NBA caliber um, player. Um, he had you know, a couple of moments of solid production. But overall, just look, first percentile EPM is horrendous. 47 true shooting is is dreadful. Um, yeah, finishing at the rim at 37% is disgusting. A guy that flashed some good passing uh, ability at Boise State hasn't shown that in the NBA. Steal rate, block rate, nothing good there. He is 25 already. Uh, I, I don't see it for Chandler Hutchison at all to develop into any sort of uh, good player. Anthony Gill, start, surprise starter. He's almost 29. Uh, why you bring in a guy at the same age as Davis Bertans to play the Davis Bertans role when you've already got Davis Bertans? Mum, can we have a Davis Bertans? No, we've got a Davis Bertans at home. Um, what are we doing here with Anthony Gill? I, he didn't do anything to make me think, ah, what, a, what a signing that he's going to have an impact as we move forward. Now, I think it's sometimes, again, he was probably underutilized. True shooting 60 is not bad, but for a guy that's supposed to be a stretch for hitting 29% of your threes, is a little bit of a worry. You'd like him to do a little bit more there. Isaac Bonga played 40 games this year. Again, always is a player that you look at the traditional box score and you go, what, what, what's this? Two points, one rebound, 0.6 assists, 0.3 steals, 37 and 63, like horrendous numbers. And prior to this year, like his advanced stuff had generally been pretty good, but he fell way off a cliff this year. He still is an excellent defender. I maintain that he is a very, very good wing defender. Unfortunately, his offense has not come around at all. But you will not believe this. He is the second youngest player on this team. He is a year older than Denny Avdia. He's only 21, and he doesn't turn 22 for another four or five months. He is very young. Now, as a restricted free agent, would someone take a flyer on him? They should. But... You know, the, the offense, it's getting to feel like it's an absolute, um, it's a lost cause. It's just not going to happen for him offensively, I don't think. So I think we need to, we, well, we can look at his ability. Hey, he can be a low scoring rebound assist steals blocks guy. If he can't shoot and he can't do anything offensively, which has been the case, then I don't think it's going to happen. And then lastly, Cassius Winston, who was a guy that you know had some okay numbers. As, as a shooter especially, but didn't really get huge opportunities. Still, shot 47% from three this season. Yes, it's in really, really limited playing time, of course, but that's still 47%. He's got a lot of other concerns, um, and again, just really didn't play enough to be considered useful. His Raptor is like a disgustingly low number. Um, his, uh, his LeBron is sort of middle of the pack on this team. I, I think there is, in terms of, I'd rather re- retain Is Smith or try and see if Winston can provide anything. I reckon I might choose Winston. He's 10 years younger. He's a phenomenally better shooter. And just having another guy next to Beal or Westbrook who can shoot rather than do whatever it is that Smith is doing, I would like to at least see what he can do. I don't believe that's any the way that the Wizards would think, but I would just like to see what he's able to do there. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey while on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Hit your notification bell. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.